0: Good morning, church. It's a great morning out there, isn't it? Amen. My name is Annie Perdue Olson, and I'm the business pastor at the church here, and I am really glad that you are all here today. It is a wonderful morning to be in the house of God, isn't it? Now, that's the third time I've sat through that worship set, and I am every single time touched by God and the power and the reminder of why I am here. Why am I here? I am here to worship the King. I am here to worship the Savior. And it's exciting. Praise God. Alright, Greg is not with us today and he has asked me to share with you today. And uh, so some of you might be wondering, what in the world is a business pastor going to preach about? You might even ask yourself, what in the world is a business pastor? Um, Well, mostly the covenant partners see me on this stage. Almost every covenant partner meeting, I'm up here sharing a little bit about the numbers and the finances of the church. I have been affectionately referred to by many covenant partners at the, as the numbers lady. And uh, when I walk around the office at staff, they're always hunting me down as the money lady because they want me to, to sign their checks and sign their purchase orders so that we can make purchases. So, But I didn't figure it would be a really good idea to preach out of the Book of Numbers for you this morning. (laughs) And I promise I won't talk about money, so you can keep your wallets in your purse and in your pocket. I won't be doing that. But when Greg asked me to share with you, I began to just pray, God, what do you want me to share with the body of Woodland Hills Church? What is the message that's on your heart that you would like me to share? Several ideas popped into my mind. Um, but there was one that really stuck and really felt that God wants me to encourage you uh, this morning with a word about encouragement. It's kind of a lesson he's been teaching me over the last several months. So we're going to break down some scripture about encouragement this morning, but before we get into that, I'd like to open us up in a word of prayer. And I would like to ask if there's people here who really feel led and impressed and called to continue praying throughout the sermon, I would ask that you do that. God has been doing some wonderful things and I believe that the power in intercession and prayer as we move forward in ministry is really important. So let's open in prayer. Jesus, I just thank you so much for the incredible things that you are doing through the ministry of Woodland Hills Church through this body. These people who are here today, Lord Jesus, we are here and we are crying out for more of you. Lord we want more of you in our life. We want to experience you in incredible ways. And Lord, I pray that through our time together here right now, we will experience you. We will experience your power. Lord, we will experience your realness. We ask that the message that goes forth today will be your message, that your heart will be revealed and that your words will be spoken. Lord, I pray that you will instruct my tongue to share your voice, your heart, for the body of Woodland Hills Church today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 If you've got your Bibles with you today, you can turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. I'm sure I've read this verse multiple times in my life, but it never hit me like it did a couple of months ago when I stumbled across it. And we're going to break this verse down quite a bit here today. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily. Daily. Seems pretty clear, doesn't it? Encourage one another daily. When I read that, I had to ask myself, do I encourage someone every day? Is that something that I really do daily? I mean, I've read scriptures about praying without ceasing and and all of those things, but, but encouraging one another daily has not been something that's really stuck into my lifestyle. Encourage one another daily. I don't know if I do that. But scripture doesn't stop there. The scripture goes on to say, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. As long as it is called today. When scripture is repeating itself like that, we've really got to pay special attention. What is the point? What is the emphasis that the author is trying to make here? I think of it as, you know, everybody has gotten those emails where somebody sent you an email about something that's happened and then they put exclamation points after the sentence. And when they really get like wanting you to make, make a point, they hit hold the button down and you get like a million exclamation points after it. That's what this scripture is doing here in scripture. It's saying, encourage one another daily. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Is it still called today? Yep. yep. Are you encouraging someone? That is the emphasis of the scripture. That's the point here that the scripture is trying to make. There's something about this urgency that caught my eye. Why is this so urgent? When I have in the past thought of encouragement, I never really thought of urgency about encouragement. You know, I I, I think of encouragement as a compliment. You look really nice today. You guys are a good looking crowd, you know that? You really are. That's what I think of when I think of encouragement. You did a really good job on that project. You know, that's kind of what I think of. It, the image I get in my mind is of like a parent on the sidelines and your kid is is playing the sports game, soccer, basketball, and you're there going, "Great shot. Good job. Go for it." More of a cheerleading thing is kind of what I've always thought of when I thought of encouragement. But when I read this scripture, it seems like something more is there. So I have to take a look at this and so it got my curiosity up and began to look through scriptures. What is scripture saying about encouragement? Encouragement is to affirm. Affirmation is incredibly important. We need the compliments and we need the cheerleading. We need affirmation. Affirmation is more than just cheerleading too, though. Affirmation is really about affirming someone for who they are in Christ, for what they have done and what Christ has done in their life. The Apostle Paul was an amazing affirmer in all the letters that he wrote to the churches. In the New Testament, he affirmed those churches over 100 times in those letters. Affirmation characterized every single letter that he wrote. In 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, in 10 verses, he affirms the church 12 times. 12 times in 10 verses. Affirmation is incredibly important, and it characterizes scripture. So affirmation, encouragement is to affirm. Very, very important for us to get that message. We need to be affirming one another, just as Paul did to the churches. But I think there's more still. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in our distress and persecution, in our distress, when we were at the bottom, when we were without hope, when things did not look so good, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. When Paul and his colleagues were at the bottom, they were not in a good place, And they heard the news of the Thessalonians, and they heard about their faith, and they were encouraged. Encouragement is to testify. Encouragement is to tell the story of what God is doing in your life, in our lives. We need to be communicating about how God is at work. We need to hear the stories of how God is moving. Because in our moments of distress, in our moments of persecution, hearing those stories can lift us up, can build us up. Encouragement is about testimony. Have you ever had those experiences in life when someone comes and they're telling you a story about what God did in their life and you can see God all over it. It is totally a God thing and it just sends chills throughout your body. You feel your skin crawling because of the excitement that you feel. That kind of encouragement is biblical, and we need to be communicating about how God is on the move in the kingdom and in the lives of the people around us. Encouragement is to testify. But I don't think we're done here. I think Scripture has more to say about encouragement. In Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in Scripture's, and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. Scriptures were written, the stories of scriptures, the messages that were taught in scriptures were written as an encouragement. They are an encouragement that gives us hope. Encouragement is about giving hope. Have you ever felt hopeless? And you ever felt like, okay, there is no hope anymore? And you open up the Bible and a scripture just jumps out at you and it just pops out at you and it gives you the message that you needed right at that moment. I've had experiences at at times in my life when I've really been down in the depths and I've asked a couple of people to pray for me. I recently had this happen to me and I asked a friend to pray for me and he emailed me just a scripture reference. He says, I was praying for you and I got this scripture reference and he just emailed it to me. I read that verse and had to memorize it because it had such a profound impact on my life. The power of the Scriptures to give hope and the power of our relationship with one another to give hope right at the moment that we need it the most. Encouragement is to give hope. So that gives us a little bit of a broader perspective of what the Bible is saying about encouragement, the importance of the context biblically. Encouragement is a very powerful thing. Encouragement is a very important thing throughout scripture. But now we've got to come back to this Hebrews 3.13. And I want to look at the context of Hebrews 3.13 a little bit. When I read the context around Hebrews 13, I was expecting to find verses that were about encouragement, about building one another up, about being a body of believers, uh, loving one another, caring for one another. But that's not the context of this scripture. The context of this scripture is actually in a warning against unbelief. The context of this scripture is all about a warning. The author of Hebrews is writing to the Jews. And he's saying, he's reminding them of the story of their ancestors. And when they left Egypt, and they were wandering in the desert for 40 years, and God performed miracle after miracle after miracle for them to demonstrate his care. And he provided food for them, and he gave them direction, and he was present with them throughout the wilderness. And yet, in spite of all of that, their hearts went astray. And the author is reminding the Jews of the day of this message and challenging them not to let their hearts go astray like their ancestors did. Right in the middle of this warning, in the context of this warning, it's like the author stops for a minute and says, instead of following in the footsteps of your ancestors, encourage one another. If you don't want your hearts to go astray like your ancestors' hearts went astray, then you need to be encouraging one another. It's that urgent, it's that important that we're encouraging one another. So encouragement is to give counsel. In this context, there's a warning and a challenge that's being laid out to the Jews of the day. And it is about giving counsel. So encouragement is so much more than just cheerleading or just a compliment. This concept of giving counsel, I like to think about it uh, in terms of if I were sitting down with you over coffee and we're chatting, uh, just catching up, and I were to share with you that... uh, You know, over the last number of years, um, my wrists and ankles have been getting much worse. All my life I've had trouble with just really weak wrists and weak ankles, and uh, it's not been a really good thing. I have to be real careful. If I lift things that are too heavy, I can end up having to wear braces for a couple of days. If I play at the computer too much, I can wear out my wrists and end up having to wear a brace. And so I'm telling you that over the last number of years, the older I get, the worse it seems to get. As my friend, you might want to say to me, "Annie, have you ever thought about getting that checked out? Have you ever gone to the doctor? No, i haven't really ever done that. Well, maybe you ought to think about having a doctor look at that for you if it 's bugging you, maybe you ought to have a doctor look at that for you and I say, "Yeah you're probably right because I go on to tell you that uh, you know all my brothers and sisters who are my age, when they were teenagers and in their early twenties, they developed arthritis, and both my dad and my sister have carpal tunnel, then you 're like." Look at your family history, Annie. Look at what's going on. Why are you not going and getting that checked out? Do you want to have what happened to them happen to you? That's the kind of encouragement and counseling that we're talking about here. It's because of your relationship with me, because of the love that you have for me. You want me to be healthy and you want me to be whole. And so you are going to encourage me with good counsel to get my wrist taken care of. That is what we're talking about here in the context of Hebrews 3.13. It is in that context that this urgency about encouragement becomes very, very, very important. All right, so now i got a picture of what encouragement is all about. But you know, when God is teaching us lessons about life and about his word, he oftentimes likes to give us a little bit of a practical life lesson um, to really bring the point home. So, my lesson about encouragement started this spring when I was at a really busy time in my life. I had overcommitted myself, I had overextended myself, and I was totally overwhelmed. I was having a hard time sleeping at night. I was not being very uh, aware of the needs of my family and the people around me. I just was letting them down left and right because I had definitely gotten myself overcommitted and I was tired. I was really on the verge of burnout. And so I realized as I was even meditating on these verses about encouragement that I needed to do something, make an intentional decision to refill up my energy reservoirs because I was depleted. And so I got reprioritized and I decided that I needed to make a very important commitment before God. This was a very, very, very important commitment that I made. All right, now I'm embarrassed to tell you. I made the commitment to go fishing once a week as soon as the weather was nice. That was my commitment. I love fishing. You feel the wind in your hair. You really, really get in touch with nature. I mean really get in touch with nature. Isn't that a good-looking northern pike there? (laughs) It is great to be out there with nature and just really feel connected to God. I knew that that was going to be something that would energize me, refresh me, and get some of my reservoirs back, built back up. So I made this commitment. Little did I know when I made this commitment what God was going to teach me kind of scary when you make commitments <laughs> to before God. And I thought this one would be a simple one. Well, we decided the Friday before Memorial Day to take our boat out and go fishing. So we get in the boat and we shoot off from the dock and we go to find that favorite fishing spot. It was great. We just were scooting around there. Look at that cute little guy. That's my son Caleb. He's driving our boat right out to our favorite fishing spot. Okay, he's just pretending to drive the boat there. Not really driving it. but. We zoomed out to our favorite fishing spot, feeling the wind in our hair, and we get quite a distance from the dock, and all of a sudden, the motor dies. Just totally stopped. We're stranded out there in the middle of the big lake. So we're like, what are we gonna do? We can't roll back to the dock, we're too far away to get back to the dock in any sort of practical way. There's a lot of traffic on the lakes and boats are just zooming by, and I'm envious they have a running boat. We don't, we're stranded out here. We would wave them down, say, come help us, and they would wave back, hello, hello. (laughs) Keep going, we're out there in the middle of the lake. Finally, two good Samaritans came along. They realized we weren't saying hello, and they came to our rescue. They uh, helped us tie up our boat to their boat and towed us back to the dock, and we got back. And the next day, we get up and get out the screw gun and hop in the boat in the driveway, and we pull up the floorboards of the boat, only to discover that a squirrel had made his home. In the hull of our boat over the winter. And he had made a lovely nest and chewed through two of the fuel lines that connected the fuel tank to the motor, which is why we didn't get very far. And he was still in there. <laughs> so, uh, yuck. We got it all fixed, replaced the hoses, and we get back out on the lake again. All right, I'm ready to go. Here we go. Time number two. We get out there, and while we're out there fishing, us and the kids, we're fishing away, and you know these, these boats, they have this little pump in the back of the boat that when too much water gets into the hull, it starts pumping it out the side of the boat so you don't sink, good thing, right? Okay, yep, yeah, a village pump, you got it. So this village pump was going off all the time. Almost the whole time we were out, it kept going off. I was like, that is not normal. That is not supposed to do that. We had a leak on the boat. So we come off the lake again. The next day, we get out the screw gun again pull off the floorboards to the boat one more time, get in there, what could possibly have that squirrel gotten into now? So we look around and we find another hose, we replace the hose. All right, so we're ready to get back out there. Third time's the charm, right? Friday night, one week later from when this all started, we go back out on the lake. We get out there, we head out to our favorite fishing spot and it was great, the village pump wasn't going off, everything looked normal, the motor was working, it looked great. We got out to our favorite fishing spot and we started fishing. Two and a half hours straight of fishing. It was great. My son caught his very first walleye in his life. It was the most amazing. Good job, Caleb. It was great. Um, two and a half hours. Time to go home. So we get in the boat, or we were already in the boat. We start the boat, get it in gear, and we go to head up, take off. And the boat nose shoots way up in the air. It's not supposed to do that. <laughs> It's not supposed to do that. So my husband says, go back and look in the hull. There's this little peephole at the back of the boat. And you pull the lid off the peephole, and you look down in, and you can see what's going on down there. So I lift the lid off only to discover that the hull is full of water. All the way up to the rim of the peephole, I totally panic. I don't have my life vest on. I have never been in a sinking boat before. I knew we were going down. I don't even know if I got the lid back on the peephole before I was running up to the front of the boat, grabbing my life vest, snapping it on. I am shaking. My whole body is shaking. Do you know how hard it is to clasp those little plastic clasps when your whole body is shaking? I'm totally panicking, and I hear this small nine-year-old voice from behind me going, one, two, three, four, five. And I turn around and I look at Caleb and I say, Caleb, why are you counting? And he goes, Mom, I'm counting the seconds until the boat sinks. (laughs) He and I were both totally panicked. We were going down we knew we were going down. My husband, who was much more experienced than the two of us, was much more calm and he calmly started the motor and just slowly creeped our way back to the dock. And we got to the dock and we unloaded the boat, pulled the plug and dumped gallons and gallons and gallons of water out of the boat, went home again. The next morning, we got up again, got out the screw gun again and all of a sudden, this isn't feeling so much like a challenge anymore. This is feeling like a real frustration pull the floorboards off the boat again, and only to find out where the leak was, was there's this other little pump in the back of the boat that was broken and letting water come in. So we capped it off. All right, now I'm exhausted and I'm tired, but I'm ready. I'm ready to go out and try this thing again. So we go into a smaller lake this time and we're gonna hang out right by the dock. (laughs) Not gonna get way out there anymore. I've learned my lesson. So we go to the lake, Head out by the dock, and the motor won't start. The batteries are dead. I have had it. I hate boats. I hate boats. To this day, I hate boats. I'm thinking dock fishing sounds like a much better commitment to make. I'm just going to throw a line off the end of the dock. It was not, I was not a happy camper. When I was going home that night, I was just fuming inside. I was frustrated that I'd ever made this stupid commitment. It was the stupidest commitment I'd ever made. I was so mad. And in that moment of my frustration, I saw a picture, I think God gave me that picture, of what our lives are like sometimes. And the reason that encouragement is so important is because so many times we are bombarded with the hardships of life. Every day we are bombarded with difficulties that we face in life, and sometimes, just sometimes, we feel like it's only seconds until our ship sinks. And we're sitting out there in the middle of the lake because, you know what, if that battery would have died one day earlier, one day earlier, we were stranded out there with a boat full of water. We came this close to sinking in a boat. I thank God that we didn't, but the reality is is that a lot of us feel like that in life, that we're just seconds from the boat sinking, and we're just counting it down until, because there's nothing we can do, we're counting it down until we sink. The reason for the urgency of encouragement is because we face trials and sorrows that make us very, very weary. And when we're weary beyond weary, it's the encouragement from one another that can build us up and keep us going so that we do not have to go down with the ship. That's the reason we are a body of Christ. The reason we are here, the reason we are a community is to be able to build one another up and share life with one another. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. The Sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Encouragement isn't just a simple, flippant comment that we do because it's socially nice to do. Encouragement is an instructed tongue by God. Because when we speak encouragement to one another, we are speaking the very words of God and it is God giving us the courage to keep on keeping on when we feel like giving up. That is the power of encouragement. Now I want to get us back here for a minute to this Hebrews 3.13 because there's more to this verse here. Besides the urgency, there's really a reason here. In the middle of the verse it says, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness so that there is a reason for the urgency of this encouragement message and the reason is because this world is filled with negativity this world is filled with sin and we are bombarded with this every day of our lives encouragement is connected to warfare if we are not encouraging one another then we are opening our brothers and sisters in christ up to attacks from the enemy that's how important this message is because without encouragement there can be a hardening of the heart that can happen you guys know what life is like you know when you go into your workplace when you go into the grocery store when sometimes even in our own homes the conversations the actions are filled with negativity and criticism We're bombarded with it every day if you watch tv at all you are bombarded with negativity and and criticisms and all of the yuck that's there. That's what our world is all about right now. In a 2005 Gallup study, only 45% of the U.S. adults that were surveyed reported that people can be trusted. That means 55% of Americans believe that you can't be too careful when it comes to people. There's a lot of mistrust in this world. And mistrust, when you start down the path of mistrust, it has a cycle about it. See, people let us down. They do. It's life. Nobody's perfect, and people aren't going to meet our expectations. And when that happens, it's pretty easy to get, start getting skeptical about it. People can't be trusted. You just can't be too careful. And then you let that skepticism grow. And as that skepticism grows, you start keeping people at an arm's length, because if you't, be if, if they can't be trusted, you don't want to let them close at all, because they might hurt you. So you keep them at arm's length. And when you do that, you start feeling isolated. And then you start feeling alone. You start feeling like it's, you're the only one. So then it, it becomes pretty easy to become dependent only on yourself. And you start depending only on yourself. And as you depend on yourself, then your actions start taking on an attitude of looking out for number one, looking out for me. Because I'm the only one I can depend on, so I'm gonna have to just count on me and look out for me. Can you see how the cycle of mistrust can lead us right down the path of the hardening of our hearts? That's what scripture is talking about here. We do not have to have a hardened heart. We do not have to let the effects and the ways of this world, the messages of this world, we don't have to let those in. In here, in this community, in this church, it should look different than what it looks like out there. The criticism and the negativity and all of that that's out there, shouldn't be a part of our lives here. We should be encouraging one another and and being countercultural. We don't need to do that. Now, this is the hardest thing in the world to do. This is one of the hardest things to do. I have many, many thoughts of how I could encourage others, but taking the action to do it oftentimes becomes really hard because, you see, all around us, the world and Satan, it's all about tearing us down. It's all about tearing us down, not building us up. Encouragement is meant to build us up. Encouragement is about coming alongside someone and really believing in them and empowering them through your words and through your support an investment of time in a relationship to believe that God can do in them and through them things that everybody else might think is impossible. That is the power of encouragement. You know, this is the hardest to do with people that are closest to us. It's easy to make a flippant conversation or to be cheerleading on the sidelines of a sports game, but the reality is in our home, with our spouse or with our roommate, the people that we live with, our kids, those are the hardest ones to continue to encourage. Don't you wanna just like tell them all the things that they need to do different? I mean, if they just did this a little bit better, if they just picked up after themselves, if they just, there's all the little pet peeves that you can just get in there and you wanna just pick at them because They would make your life easier, right? That's why we want to do that. There's things that we, when we look at people, when we relate with them, those that are closest to us are the ones that usually experience most of our judgment. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says, take a look at those you're in relationship with and pick out their pet peeves, the pet peeves you have about them, and tell them how they need to be different. I don't see that in Scripture. What I see in Scripture is encourage one another. Build one another up. Invest in the relationships that you have in such a way that they can experience God and you can believe in them. The Apostle Paul is a really great example of how when somebody believes in you, God can do amazing things. When we think of the Apostle Paul, we think of this guy who is the apostle of apostles. I mean, he is a man of faith, a man of God, if you ever saw one. He's an incredible author of a large portion of the New Testament, scriptures we've referred to today. So when we think of the Apostle Paul, we always think of this amazing man of faith. But before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul. Saul was not such a nice guy. Saul was the persecutor of Christians, and he was going about, uttering murderous threats towards the Christians. He wasn't just verbally threatening them. He was going and seeking them out to try and kill them. He wanted to squash the world of Christians. And he was on his way to Damascus to do that, and God got a hold of his life. Revealed himself to Saul in an incredible way, and Saul was converted. And when Saul got to Damascus, he began to preach the gospel, and he began to preach all about Jesus. And people got a little upset at him, so they... uh, laid out a plot to kill him and his followers came along and helped deliver him from that they got him out of the city before the plot could be delivered Um, and so Saul said well I'm gonna head to Jerusalem that's where the disciples are I can be discipled by them and I can minister with them and I can start preaching the gospel in Jerusalem so he heads to Jerusalem and he gets there but the disciples in Jerusalem hadn't gotten the memo they still knew Saul to be the persecutor of Christians they still understood him to be the one out to get him. They didn't want to let him in. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. They left him out of the group. Then along came Barnabas. Barnabas the encourager. Barnabas came along and he took Paul in, took Saul in. And he took him in to meet with the disciples and he said, this guy has really experienced Jesus. And he took Paul in and let him in to the disciples But it didn't stop there for Barnabas. Barnabas ministered with Saul for years, walked alongside him. They went on missionary journeys together. They ministered together. Barnabas believed in what Saul could become. He believed that Saul could become the Apostle Paul, and he believed in him. He saw in Saul what God saw in Saul. Imagine if we could see everyone in this room with the eyes that Jesus sees each other with we would so believe in each other, and we would so come alongside each other. If we believe in people like Barnabas believed in Saul, amazing things can happen for the kingdom. That is the message of encouragement. I wanna show you a little video clip here that talks about the importance of, in the hecticness of life, when the tide of the world is against us. Because you see, when you go outside this room, You're not gonna experience encouragement in the world. It's not gonna be there for you. You're gonna experience a little bit of harassment, probably, you're gonna experience a little bit of negativism. You know, people are gonna cut you down. That is what you're gonna experience. But in the middle of that, you are called to be different. We're all called to be different. Let's watch this video clip of what happens when we act on encouragement and be different. Hey Helen, who's she? Some new kid. Well, I know that. What's her name? What's it matter? Probably won't last out the week anyway. Some college kid, huh? Nah, husband left her. I don't know. This was supposed to be hash browns. <laughs> Those are hash browns? People up fronts waiting for you, hon. Right. More coffee, please. <laughs> Don't tell me. Two number twos with hash browns? Sometimes when we least expect it, grace enters our world. What'd you do that for? In that moment, of we have a clearer understanding of Jesus Christ. Hey, Helen, who's the new kid? She's not a kid. Named Sarah. Well, Lord. And you don't. be nice to her, you'll answer to me. What kind of her got into her a little bit of encouragement I would say so we can be agents of encouragement everywhere we go when we leave this place you can be like little secret agents little secret encouragement agents out there in the world changing the tide of the negative environment that's out there you guys have the power we have the power together as a body to build one another up to invest in one another and to be able to really take that to the world and show them something different imagine if we can show them something different what kind of a kingdom impact that would have. I think often about encouragement. It's a simple act, something that we can do. It oftentimes doesn't take a whole lot of effort, but it really does require that we invest our time and our energy and our relationship with one another. I have a lot of really incredible thoughts about ways I want to encourage people. You know, I, on a regular basis, I think, oh, I should just leave a little note for my husband here by the table. And then I think about it, but I don't ever do it. I forget about it. I get on with the hecticness of life and I forget to take the action that I thought about. But I want to encourage us to take action. So I want to leave you with two very important action steps that I'm going to ask you to do. The first one is is that I think it's important for all of us to hear the power of encouragement in testimony. If you have a testimony that you need to share about what God is doing in your life, we want to hear it. If you go out to our website, in the little search engine, you type in the word testify, you'll come to an icon that looks like this. There's a spot there for you to enter in your story of how God has been moving in your life and what he has done. We need to hear that. As a body, we need to hear the stories of how God is moving among our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you're really discouraged and you're like, I don't think God is moving anymore at all. Go out there. There's stories posted and you can read how God is moving. It's an incredible story to hear what God is doing and it sends chills down your spine and encourages you and it builds you up when you hear about the faith of your brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want to encourage you to do that. The second action step I'd really like you to do is I'd like you to make a commitment. I'd like you to make a commitment to, in the next day or two to encourage someone. I'm going to give us a couple of moments of silence i'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes because i'm going to want you to in these moments of silence pray and ask god who it is that he wants you to encourage in the next day or two who is it in your life that he wants to give you an instructed tongue like he did isaiah so that you know the words that will lift the weary who is it that he wants you and how does he want you to do that And I want to just take a few moments of silence and I ask that each of you will seek God and ask him to reveal to you the action step you should take as an encourager. Jesus, you are our encourager. And everything you have done in scriptures has been to draw us into your arms. And Lord, we want to build each other up in the same way that you have come and delivered us, in the same way that you have saved us. We want to be encouraging one another with the words, with the testimony. Lord Jesus, we really need you to be here with us and to show us what it means to be a body of Christ together, building one another up, Lord, we pray right now that you will take the word that was shared today and make it real in our lives, just like you made it real for me, Lord Jesus, in giving me a practical picture in my life of why this is so important. I ask for each person here that you will reveal to them why it is important for them to be an encourager. Make it real in their lives as they leave this place, Lord. I thank you so much, Lord, for your word and for the lessons that you have taught me. I am so grateful for your hand in my life. Continue to be working in my life. Continue to be working in the lives of each person here today. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before you go, if any of you is here and you feel that you are maybe within seconds of going down with the ship, I would encourage you to come forward and pray with one of our altar workers here. We would like to pray with you and encourage you through prayer in what God has for you in the next steps for your life, and we want to do that. So please come forward if you would like some prayer. Go with God and be my secret agents of encouragement out there in the world.